This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we are talking about preparing for a cesarean. It's a necessary conversation that some people don't want to have, and I get it. If you're thinking about having a vaginal birth, you may not want to put in your mind what happens if things turn and I need a cesarean. Or maybe you're chugging along your pregnancy and you find out, okay, for whatever reason, a cesarean is a safer choice for your baby to enter this world. So I reached out to Mary Esther Malloy. She's been in the childbirth education world here in New York City for 15 plus years, and she has some great knowledge. She is a mother of three and the owner of Mindful Birth NY, and she's an experienced childbirth educator, doula, and parent support group leader, and she writes frequently about birth and parents, and she's got some great information. So I'm extremely excited to share how to prepare for a cesarean, because we know statistically a third of pregnant people will birth their babies via cesarean. Before we get to that, I just want to say a thank you to those that have been leaving ratings and reviews. Things have really popped up and it's great because it helps people find the podcast. The more ratings, this whole algorithm thing, to be honest, I don't totally get it, but I was just checking the other day and there was a lovely review. Um, This is screen name, so I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but Yumi? Uni left a lovely message. I'm just going to read it. It starts with great lessons. I'm stepping into my interest in career supporting birth and finding my place in the community. This has been such a great education and resource for me as I've been preparing for my first birth photography session and exploring interest in becoming a doula and yoga instructor. Thank you. Well, thank you you for spending the time leaving that for others to see and again helping. And I'm just so thrilled that Yoga Birth Babies is adding whatever support it is for your new career path. That's really exciting. So thank you. Thank you. Also, I can't believe we're starting to wrap up the teacher trainings for, by say say this year, in my brain as a parent of two school-age children, my brain goes from a year, September through June. That's the school year. And we just started our DC, our Washington DC group last week. They're an amazing group of people. And the New York City spring teacher training is almost full. I in the last day I got three applications. It's incredibly exciting. So that's almost full for the spring. And then we're gonna have late spring in Richmond, Virginia at Yoga Source. And now we're in the planning for the next fall through spring. So if you are wanting to get your yoga certification, do it soon with us, the prenatal yoga center. And then last thing I've had a lot of people reach out to me that they listen to the podcast, they read the blog, whatever, and that's fantastic, but they want to do something because they can't get into New York. So what can we offer? So I'm starting to do more online offerings. I'm really excited. We have two coming up. One actually... um, Mary Esther's leading. It's about healing from a cesarean. You can check that out. We'll have an online offering of that. And then we're also doing a VBAC workshop, vaginal birth after cesarean. Stephanie Heinzler is leading that. So we're taking some of our offerings, bring it online. And of course, I have a four-class package of online prenatal yoga classes that are already filmed. You can watch them. They're an hour long each. They have different focuses, so you can get that as well. So our PYC offerings are beyond our four walls of the Upper West Side. I'm super excited. And to keep in contact with what we have going on, just take a moment to go to our website at prenatalyogacenter.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and we'll keep telling you about all our offerings and more and more online offerings to come. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Mary Esther. 
calling all New York City parents. I want to tell you about the Manhattan Schoolhouse here in New York City. It's a Reggio Amelia-inspired daycare and preschool that welcomes children from three months to five years of age. Knowing and appreciating the busy lives of New York City families, Manhattan Schoolhouse's programs offer full-time, year-round child care. Their program maintains a low teacher-child ratio that ensures each child gets the attention he or she needs. And the children are fed meals catered by companies that provide only high-quality, nutritious foods with locally sourced ingredients. The Manhattan School has children engage in enriching daily activities such as yoga and dance, music classes, and lessons in foreign languages. Parents, children, and teachers work as partners to best support each child's developmental growth as an individual and a member of a community. They truly value relationships and believe that every interaction with each child matters. Manhattan Schoolhouse is currently located on the Upper East Side and has a new site opening on West 28th Street in the heart of Chelsea. To learn more about Manhattan Schoolhouse and schedule a tour, check out their website at www.manhattanschoolhouse.com. www.manhattanschoolhouse.com. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hi, Mary Esther. How are you this morning? Hi, Deb. I'm well. I'm so excited to talk about this. It's really interesting. We're going to talk about preparing for a cesarean. I was just doing teacher training over the weekend, and one of the students was saying that as she was preparing for her birth, she ended up having a child a little on the earlier side, she totally ignored the whole C-section part in books. She's like, that's not going to happen to me. I didn't even want to take it in. And I get that. I totally get like being overwhelmed. And then she had a cesarean. So I was, I was telling her, I'm like, I've got you covered for <laughs> for your students because we need to, we need to prep for this. And I like your approach the way of a mindful cesarean. So I think this is so pertinent to every person that is going to birth, those that have birth, those are supporting. So thank you for the work you do. I'm really excited to jump in. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. There can be this idea that if I don't read the chapter or allow it into my thoughts, it's not going to happen. And it may not very well, but uh, it may. You know, a third of women are birthing by cesarean, so it is a part of our industrial birth landscape. Um, and there's obviously great benefit. Um, it, is it an overused technology? Yes, that's agreed upon. But, you know, there are a percentage of women for whom it's going to be the absolute safest and best way, or perhaps even just feel the safest and best way, depending on, you know, women's perspective and priorities and history. And how do we do it in as healthy and centered and grounded a way as possible? Yeah, and that's why I'm so excited for our talk. So I guess before we get into Mindful Cesarean, uh, let's learn a little bit about you and how you got into this line of work. Sure. Well, I now have three children, but what got me into the work was the birth of my first and really being floored by what a transformative process it was to have my body change so much through the pregnancy to experience birth and to become a parent. Um, yeah, it just changed me and my world in so many ways. And I had a background in participatory progressive education and really felt drawn to, at first it was the parent support piece I was doing and then childbirth education. And I have been working as a doula and a childbirth educator and parent support leader for really almost 15 years now, really since my uh, second son was born. Um, so yeah, it's been a real pleasure to get to be part of families' lives during this transformative time of, in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And you've definitely been around. Your name has been floating in the New York City birth world for quite a while. And I can't believe it's one of the first times we've chatted. So I'm really excited about this. So let's go into what would one, once one thinks about cesarean, how can they make it a mindful cesarean? What is that? 
Sure. So we now will talk about a gentle cesarean, right? Which usually involves having a, a maybe a blue drape in front of a clear drape. The blue can be dropped at a certain point so that the mother can see the baby coming out or at least see the baby in those first moments. Uh, gentle cesarean, we talk about delayed cord clamping, maybe 30 to 60 seconds. That's actually ACOG's recommendation now, even with the cesarean. And we talk about skin to skin as soon as possible. And there may be other aspects, um, and all of which certainly improve um, the emotional and physical health of the experience of a cesarean. A mindful cesarean includes these aspects, but it's also about a kind of active approach to the cesarean itself, using the mind, awareness of emotions. Um, I would say very importantly, connection to others to enhance birth hormones that may potentially also add layers of emotional and physical health to the experience of a cesarean. Mm -hmm. So then tell me about your mindful cesarean project. Sure. So it came about, it came about Mostly folks who've been drawn to my classes through the years have been looking for low or no intervention births. And of course, a, a number of them have found out in advance that cesarean really may be the best way to birth their baby. And so I've had many people in the classes through the years who are just reeling and struggling on the emotional front to figure out uh, what this means for them and how to prepare. And there's not so much out there. So a few incidents brought this together for me. Um, I had somebody in my class years ago who was, is a vet veterinarian for large mammals like horses and cows. And we had many conversations about birth. And at one point I asked him about cesarean and just the question of with animals, does he see a difference in terms of the bonding afterwards, whether it's a vaginal or cesarean birth. And he said, when it's a cesarean birth, the only time he has seen challenges with the mother and young one bonding is when the mother is very afraid during the birth itself, during the cesarean. And we had a conversation about oxytocin, the reproductive hormone, the birth hormone, uh, often referred to as the 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 love or cuddle hormone, it's part of sex, part of labor, it's part of breastfeeding. It's a hormone of human connection, bonding, feel-good hormone, and it's also a contracting hormone. So we were speaking about how adrenaline, fear hormones, can antidote or uh, cause there to be less oxytocin and perhaps maybe um, change ways in which the mother and the young animals were bonding. At that same time, I, I attended a talk by Sarah Buckley, who is the author of a book, uh, Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering, and she's done a lot of work on the hormonal physiology of labor. And something she said really struck me. She said, modern medicine has the goal of helping mothers and babies survive, mm -hmm. but nature wants more. Nature wants mothers and babies to thrive. Mm -hmm. And... I really got to thinking about, well, with a cesarean, and especially a planned cesarean, right, there can be an interruption to this normal hormonal physiology of labor where things that happen at one point in the process, like the lead up to labor or labor itself, can potentially affect hormones afterwards. And Sarah Buckley really frames that bonding, that connection after as thriving, um, and so I began to think, well, okay, of course, there are times when cesarean can be life-saving, right, or just the way that is best for a baby to be born. So how can we think about the approach to a cesarean that augments oxytocin, natural oxytocin? Are there ways that we can help to have a higher oxytocin cesarean than might otherwise be happening? Are there things families can actively do on this front? I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. 
We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yes, yeah, so that that's first of all, I was, I remember being at that uh, talk with you and I loved it. And I'm going to link to a conversation I had with Sarah, so that will be great. But I want to talk about because you're bringing something up so important, especially if it's a planned cesarean. So maybe if someone's in labor and they're already having some oxytocin going, but if it's a planned cesarean, I'm guessing there's a fair amount of fear that can be around. As you just said, when we're anxious and fearful, we have higher adrenaline. So what are some ways that somebody could activate these birth hormones that are present in a vaginal birth, but may not for a cesarean? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. So there's so much variation in what we're talking about, right? So some people are going to have, will be laboring along and cesarean becomes the tool to use to birth the baby. And then others find out in advance for whatever reason that, again, it's the best way. And, And in that case, there is more time to prepare usually, even if it's just a few days, sometimes even just a few hours, but sometimes it's also weeks. And you know, a range of emotions will very likely be part of that preparation, right? So the excitement of meeting the baby, the concerns about what a surgery might mean, fears, potentially even grief at birth being otherwise than they may have anticipated, right? So, right. So the question is, what can be done? How can we work with this mix of emotions? And and I certainly want to normalize that fear and worry, anxiety will come up, can come up. It makes sense, right? Um, and so because they will come up, it, it's less about trying to keep them at bay and not feel fear. It's really about, well, how can we acknowledge and be kind with ourselves that these emotions and feelings are coming up? And how can we activate soothing systems within the brain and body that can very naturally counterbalance some of these fears? And, you know, the gift of finding out about a planned cesarean, of course, is that with the time, there can be work done. And I've certainly seen this with many clients where doing some sometimes hard, challenging work in advance of the birth really can allow people to be more present for the birth and maybe having worked through some of the difficult emotions prior to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I mean, so in terms of practicalities of preparing, right? So certainly mindfulness practices have been shown to increase oxytocin. um, And, you know, that might be awareness of body, awareness of breathing, bringing compassion and, you know, cultivating a sense of compassion and gentleness, even given the emotions that are coming up, um, skin to skin, um, social connection, these all also activate oxytocin. So self-care in the hours, days, weeks leading up to a cesarean, you know, making sure there's plenty of touch, (laughs) um, that there's connection with loved ones, support, um, being able to talk through the fears and be heard. And then do you recommend that learning some sort, because we do this a lot in prenatal and it's actually a theme I come back to a lot because I've had students say, you know, um, we're doing a lot for preparing the body and the mind for vaginal birth and moving and sound. But obviously when, if you're having a cesarean and you're in the OR, like you're not moving around and making a ton of sound. So I try to bring to the fact that a lot of our coping can be internal, like different mantras and, and different meditations and different pranayamas. Is that something that you involve, that you invite your, your clients that you work with to practice at home? So when they have a, when they might be alone as they prep for the, for the surgery that they tune into, would that be one of those tools? Absolutely. So 
prenatal yoga is a fantastic preparation for birth, whether it's vaginal or cesarean, for many reasons, including it just gets us off our phones and gets <laughs> us focused and low to the ground and aware of breathing and the moving body and the mind and how it interacts, right, as the body is moving and all that. So yes, absolutely. Um, those kinds of practices uh, and there are so many supports for those kind of practices now, whether it's apps or classes you can get to, online classes that can help folks find focus, find a center, find a grounding that absolutely they can bring into the, you know, if it is an operating room where you're giving birth, yes, um, those tools are available. And there can be a certain kind of empowerment even if you are working with circumstances that you wish were otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. Like if one is really lamenting that the cesarean is the way to birth the baby, there is, for, for some people, it can feel very empowering to find an element where they can control and or have an element of control where it's, it's you know, how they are approaching the experience, how they're working with it rather than fighting it moment to moment. And that doesn't mean squashing down the grief and upset, right? It really doesn't. It means allowing for it and coming back, coming back to a center, coming back to breath, coming back to a mantra or an idea. And I'll just mention a few things during a cesarean that would be available, you know, whether it's an in-labor cesarean or a planned cesarean, mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been present at many cesareans where partners understandably are like deer in the headlights. How many times in a lifetime are you hanging out in an operating room with bright lights and noises and smells and sounds and your partner and your baby about to be born, right? It's understandable. And I will just say to this partner, touch her face or maybe just hold her hand. The skin to skin is good for everybody in the room, but for the mother, it, it it gives a little boost to that oxytocin. Or how about place a hand on her chest? We know the vagus nerve connects heart and brain, and that is also a spike in oxytocin. The the receptors on the on our lips, right? So even just maybe even touching, maybe kissing, but maybe even just touching her lips might also have that oxytocin-enhancing quality. And eye contact, looking each other in the eye, breathing together. So breathing practices you may have worked on, <clears throat> excuse me, in preparation for a vaginal birth, they can be in play absolutely. Maybe locking in, breathing together in through the nose, out through the mouth, maybe even counting her exhales. Uh, shifting focus from you know, noises, smells, temperature of the room, perhaps for some shifting focus to the baby and the meeting of the child and really claiming this as a birth because it is, right? Uh, you know, it's getting a, a hand from technology, but a baby is being born, right? Oh, these are such good skills because that's something that I do often hear from the students I work with. I don't come in, unless I'm working with a couple privately, I don't usually come in contact with the with the partner too much in yoga, but I do hear from the students that their partner is really nervous, especially those I've known that were going to have a cesarean. They just feel that what's their partner going to do? Like you said, they're in an OR. It's unusual to them. So these are such good ideas. Thank you. Yeah, it is true. I mean, it can be very well overwhelming for partners and just to have things to actively do and to have a perspective of a way that they can be of help to their partner and potentially to their baby and the launch into parenting, right? Actively working to increase calm, enhance oxytocin, be present to this as a birth, can then, be helpful, yeah. And then also one thing that can come up is just the unknown. You know, we have some people might have already seen vaginal births. You might have had a friend, but most people are not actually watching us this year. And I'm sure you can see it online. But so can and so it's the unknown. I think that can be so overwhelming. Can you talk through? what one might expect before, during, and after a cesarean. 
Sure. And to your point of watching one online, often that perspective is the surgery itself, which would not be the parent's perspective through it, right? (laughs) You are are not actually watching the incision and what the medical professionals are doing to help this baby exit safely. You are having a different kind of behind the screen experience. (laughs) So yeah, sure. I'm happy to talk that through. And I'll say one other piece of the mindful cesarean uh, came about with one a couple in my class, they were they had placenta previa and were really challenged by the idea of giving birth by cesarean, and that is how they eventually gave birth. But there was a day in class where we were working on the stages of labor, or again around a vaginal birth, so early labor, labor intensifying into active labor, the transition into the pushing and birthing and meeting the golden hour afterwards. Excuse me. <clears throat> And this couple was sitting there, teary-eyed, and it just occurred to me, well, you know what, let's just reframe this for what their experience is going to be. So, uh, sure, I'll just briefly talk through what a cesarean, what the process might be like for a family, and I'll, I'll frame it in terms of a labor process. Yes, please. Sure. So there's the prep, which you know, it involves consent. It involves downing of some yucky tasting antacid. Um, The shave in part of the the top area of the pubic hair, placing of an IV, blood pressure cuff, heart rate monitor, um, and moving into the operating room. So that's kind of the, in a sense, the early labor. There may be a fair amount of waiting of time for talking, time for thinking, time for processing what's going on. And I, yeah, I think of that as akin to the, the getting going of early labor. And then things do get going. And so once a woman is in the operating room, anesthesia will be placed. So frequently that's a spinal. <clears throat> um, if an epidural is already in place, then it's just upped. A woman will then recline or lie down on the table. A screen is set up so that she is not seeing what's going on. This is a time where the partner is not quite in the room yet, but will be coming in shortly. Surgical prep is underway. Then as things are starting frequently, that's when the partner is invited in and things begin. And I I think of this as equivalent to active labor. Now the work is underway. So now we are, you know, one step after another, getting closer to the birth itself. Then as time is going by, and it's not a long period of time, it's usually 10 to 15 minutes or so till the birth itself. This is where a woman is feeling the pulling, tugging, pressure. Sometimes women will experience shaking Sometimes women will experience nausea. Sometimes women will throw up. This is frequently, for some, challenging, difficult part. And in some ways, we might even say this is equivalent to transition. And then the baby is born. Women often experience it as a kind of lightning. Some feel it, some don't. But those who do describe it as a kind of lightning as the baby is born. Uh, The baby may be held up. The baby may on occasion be put directly on the mother's body, but most likely this is a time where the baby will go to the warmer for five or 10, maybe 15 minutes, suctioning if needed, possibly newborn procedures, unless you're asking them to delay. And this is a time when the partner can head over to the table once invited and be with the baby, can speak with the baby calm the baby. The baby knows the partner's voice. And then partner and baby move back to the mother. The repair is now underway. So while it might take 10, 15 minutes to the birth, there's usually about a 45-minute period where the repair is underway. So the mom is there, partner, baby. We have an opportunity there to do some skin-to-skin, which we can talk about in a bit if you like. Yes possibly even get the breastfeeding going. And then the move to the recovery room, which is usually about a two-hour period. And I think of this as the golden hour, where 
The baby can be skin to skin. Maybe there's even some bopping and moving to the breast. The breastfeeding gets going. Uh, For the mother, the anesthesia is still in place. She's often kind of clearing and feeling a bit more present to what's going on. And then from there, there's the move to the actual recovery room where women are frequently there for three days, occasionally four, and we can certainly talk more about that if you like. But that's kind of an overview of what the experience is. That's great. And I think that's important to, I think when people hear that, and especially you say it so calmly, uh, <laughs> it takes some of the anxiety out. So that, that's really helpful. Um, and it also just, again, giving people a sense that there will be a little bit of time that they're by themselves. So using some of those coping skills that you were talking about, I think is really helpful. Yeah, it's a good point to draw attention to. Just this week in one of my groups, one of the women was describing her experience of a cesarean, and she just said flat out that the hardest part was being separated for her partner from her partner as she entered the OR. So they placed the anesthesia, but her partner was outside, and this is typical, getting suited up and just waiting to be invited in. And she said that was really hard being separated. So, yeah, so we want to think about strategies. First of all, I think knowing that this is part of the process can be helpful because many women describe it as a surprise. They simply assume their partner will be by their side at every step um, as they go through. Um, So strategies for this, I would say... um, just some suggestions might be to look around for human support. Mm. Is there a kind looking nurse or resident or medical student who you could ask to hold your hand or your doctor perhaps, or your midwife Um, going back to those breathing practices you learned in prenatal yoga, uh, maybe a, a deeper breath and in through the nose, out through the mouth or any other pranayama practice that you find calming um, bringing awareness to to the body with a quality of of acceptance and kind of kindness to whatever you are feeling, um, almost a kind of effort to soften around the experience as it is. Um, and for some, bringing a focus to the meeting of the baby might might really be calming. Um, you know, there are acupressure points folks can learn ahead of time just to hold during this. But I think being prepared to activate calming practices during this period of separation especially is a moment where we can uh, work with fear and you know, help those birth hormones to be more in play. Yeah. I just love that you're putting so much focus on, we talk so much about preparing for the birth and a lot of time it is a focus on vaginal birth, but so many of these skills are about coping internally quietly, which I think is also just a life skill. I go back to that a lot in class. Um, you know, with the partner. And then also I find afterwards, it could be a lot of coping as well, because they're, they might be in a fair amount of discomfort from having abdominal surgery. I think that's one thing that because C-sections are so common, we lose sight that it is major abdominal surgery. And while I personally haven't had a cesarean, I did have a, um, a huge hernia uh, surgery. And that's kind of what I liken to the experience that basically felt like I split in half and there was a lot of internal coping I had to do through the healing. Would you, do you talk to your, your clients about that? Yeah. In a sense, um, some of the work of the birth is shifted onto the experience after, which is the recovery from a surgery. Often day two is the most challenging, but just like after most any surgery these days, women are up and moving and walking and what we are hoping is that each day uh, is getting better after that, um, even if incrementally. But yeah, there's a lot of sensation to work with, and so there's you know many opportunities to work with with coping. And the recommendation is take your pain medications after. Absolutely, it is a major surgery. But many of my clients these days do have concerns about um, whether they want to actually be on opioids or if just a Tylenol-Motrin combination will be sufficient. And again, we want adequate 
medical support for the pain afterwards, mm-hmm. but there's going to, there are going to be sensations to work with. Um, and just the difficulty of kind of getting back to your body. So yeah, so there are all of these tools can be in play for sure during the recovery period as well, breathing into what is there. Um, Yeah, that's great. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the protocols that are often associated with vaginal births. We talk a lot about cord clamping and when the baby goes through the vaginal canal, we talk about the microbiomes and immediate skin to skin. How can those protocols still be integrated into a cesarean birth? Sure. So I will say with the mindful cesarean, I've put together a kind of birth plan that just shows the range of options. So it's in no way saying, you know, it's not a document saying this is what we are requesting, but really more options. Do we want to, um, you know, do we want to ask them to delay the newborn procedures? Uh, And that would be the vitamin K shot and the eye ointment that are mandatory in many places, but can be delayed if you prefer to have the baby on your body when those are given, right? So, There are options, absolutely, and some care providers are very comfortable with the range of options that are out there, and other care providers, it's just not their training, it's not what they're comfortable with, and of course, there's a team of people involved, so, you know, sometimes it is having multiple discussions about the range of options of what is available, so so you mentioned delayed cord clamping. Um, that is an option to discuss with a care provider and a request if it is a, at all possible to delay, as I was saying, even 30 to 60 seconds. It is what ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, now is recommending even with the cesarean. Again, it's not most care providers training. Um, so it is a discussion of what they feel comfortable with and what seems safe for the moment because we don't want doctors typically do want to move on as quickly as possible to the repair. And so it's sort of balancing competing interests. It's a discussion to have. Um, the skin to skin afterwards is something that does happen in different ways, again, depending on circumstances. And sometimes, you know, with gentle cesareans, as they've been developed in England, they are placing the babies directly on the mother's body soon after. But a pediatrician typically needs access to a baby just to confirm that there's not extra fluid that needs suctioning and all that. So my experience in New York City is these days, most care providers are most comfortable with a baby going to the warmer for these minutes after before coming. But then People are supportive of the skin-to-skin, but the mother may not be in a position to really securely hold the baby for multiple reasons, including medication, including the blood pressure cuff and IV. So she needs support. So sometimes with the cesarean, we have to ask for a different kind of support to get some of those things that folks might have been hoping for. Um, planning to do with a vaginal birth. So support may be needed to unwrap the baby, to adjust the mother's robe, a gown rather, so that the baby can be placed and then securely held on her body as the repair is happening. Um, And then, right, so we have, there's a lot of interest in overall microbial health for humans and the importance of the time of the birth itself and the time around birth for getting things off to a lovely start. And there has been research around uh, seeding the baby with microbes from the mother's vagina. So there's a practice now where women will roll up a gauze and place the gauze in the vagina in the time before going into the operating room, take it out as a woman would go into the operating room. It would be kept in a secure bag and then the baby would be wiped down afterwards with that gauze. Um, We are actually, there's some interesting research coming out now saying that one of the very important elements is actually microbes from the end of the mother's digestive tract with the vaginal birth. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I just can't quite see us getting to the point where we're doing a wipe from the end of the mother's digestive tract <laughs> on the baby, but that 
maybe where we're headed. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see on that. <laughs> see how that one unfolds. Breaking, breaking news. <laughs> well, these are great because that's again things I've heard from students. Like I want you know I've understood the delayed cord clamping and the immediate skin to skin. So thanks for uh, touching on those so that people that know they're having a cesarean or it unexpectedly they can still. Uh, have those protocols. So would you say if someone's not planning on having a cesarean, it's one of those things that happens during labor, should they talk to their care provider beforehand about still honoring the idea of a mindful cesarean, even if the idea is to have a vaginal birth? Absolutely. I think that conversation is worth having. And the language that is out there that many providers are familiar with now is, is language around a gentle cesarean. So that's an easy way to start a conversation is just to mention if a cesarean becomes the safest way to birth my baby, I might be interested in a gentle cesarean. How do you think about that? And that's an opportunity to discuss what it might be. And, you know, I, I think it's important for folks to listen carefully in these conversations and just assess whether they feel well-matched with a care provider and how they practice and how they think about things. So that could be an opportunity to engage further with the care provider about what might be some options if a cesarean becomes necessary, or perhaps even to change care providers if, uh, if things that would be important to you don't seem to be of interest or importance to your care provider. Mm -hmm. So I do think it is an important conversation to have, even if things are just looking very straightforward and a vaginal birth is what's most likely to happen. Yeah. Then you feel more taken care of should this happen to actually go in that direction. It's not negotiating in the moment of deciding to have a C-section. So that's, that's great. So you must, I'm sure you've worked with families for, you know, 15 years. So I'm sure you've probably come across people that we're not planning on having a cesarean birth and we're planning on a vaginal birth. How do you help people come to peace with a cesarean when it wasn't what they were planning for? Yeah, it is. It's a great question. It's an important question because it's a time where people can feel really upended and experience grief and anxiety and will, uh, experience versions of that. Um, so I do my best to offer a perspective that there are no second-class births and that if this is the best way for their baby to be born, that they have work to do, to that they can choose, you know, um, to do to perhaps help this to be as healthy a launch into parenting. Um and I also feel like it's very important to, to really just honor the fact that the grief and excitement can coexist. Mm-hmm. I feel like often around cesarean, um, families can encounter well-meaning people who will say, well, you know, how can you be upset or why are you crying? You have this healthy baby in your arms or, and that for some people can feel like a, um, just like a way that there's, it's not making space for two things to be true at the same time, that they can be thrilled and grateful for the birth, for this baby, for the support they've had through it. And at the same time have an element of, um, you know, upset, um, that needs to be worked through and addressed and, and heard, So I feel like helping people appreciate that there are things they can actively do to help it be as healthy as possible, that they do have options and choices um, that they can discuss with care providers and, you know, can be part of the navigating of the birth experience. Um, And then I think just, yeah, honoring the emotional complexity of it. And, you know, I'll just add in one more thing that I have found to be something that seems to help families feel more empowered entering a birth that they were maybe hoping to avoid. Um, And that has to do with the the skin-to-skin after. I think a lot of the time we focus on skin-to-skin as something happening in the hour or two after a baby's born, and there's so much research supporting how beneficial and wonderful that is. But there's also research 
emphasizing how beneficial it is in the hours, days, weeks, months following the birth of a baby. Sometimes after a cesarean, there is more separation than we might hope for in that hour or two. And that can also be a source of grief and upset for families that they missed a precious window. And I think it's very helpful to just have a sense that the repair, even to the level of balancing hormones, the repair is ongoing and can be found at in the hours and days and weeks and months after. So looking into the research around ongoing skin-to-skin, the many benefits, how it can support breastfeeding, it can support, um, it can make the experience of being born a much lower stress experience for the baby. And it's pretty significant. So I have found that families doing what they can in the postpartum period to support you know, the partner skin to skin, mother skin to skin, um, older siblings even skin to skin with the baby. Um, that that just that sense of repair and health being available um, beyond just the you know that hour of giving birth by cesarean feels really positive. I'm so glad you said that because I've had students say they felt robbed of that hour. And then every time something was happening, they felt unconnected, like it's because I missed that time. And and the fact that we know that we can still create that bond. And when the, we have that skin to skin, we've already talked about the oxytocin. It's that love hormone. It's that bonding hormone. So I love that you're uh, advocating for not just right after, but weeks and months after connecting still skin to skin. Thank you for highlighting that. So is there anything that I haven't asked that you think we need to cover that's pertinent for those in preparing mentally and physically for a cesarean birth? I think keeping people in close with you, with your process, and not going solo and alone and separate with it can be very helpful. Mm. And even as we talk about mindfulness practices, internal work with breath, acknowledging fear. Sometimes it can feel like a very solitary, alone process to prepare. And we know that the soothing systems within the brain are kind of interwired with our affiliative systems. So we are, we are not, we don't thrive with isolation. And so I think finding people, support, contact, touch, I think that these are just as important as the internal private work of preparing for a birth by cesarean or any kind of birth because, you know, fears and worries affect all of us as we approach birth, no matter, you know, what the path will be Mm -hmm. through. Oh, that's perfect. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Now you have been a childbirth educator and doula for over 15 years and you have three kids. So you know this world. I'm going to ask you for one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new expectant parents about anything. It doesn't have to be cesarean. It could be anything from your vast knowledge. Okay. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Okay, we are back. So what do you have? (laughs) Huh, well, it is a great question. And... Maybe I'll go back to where we started when you asked me how I got into all of this and how I experienced such change and transformation on all levels of living and relating to my life. And so maybe my piece of advice for expectant parents is just to acknowledge that this is an extraordinarily transformative time of life 
Uh, we even know to the level of brain plasticity. I mean, they're now coining a term, um, matrescence, which rhymes with adolescence for That's the only way I can say it. I have to say, I'm so glad you said that. I literally say to myself, adolescence, matrescence. (laughs) And we think about what we went through with adolescence, body changes, hormonal changes, brain changes, state and condition of life changes. And we're going through it again, becoming parents. So it is an extraordinary time of change. And with that can come a profound sense of meaning and purpose and stress can come with so much change. No matter how a baby is born, um, no matter the circumstances of your early parenting. So I think acknowledging and being compassionate towards ourselves Uh, there can be a real sense of I've got to get this right and I've got to get this right every day and every minute because it all is so impactful for my child. And yes, but we also need to just be kind and compassionate towards ourselves, towards our partners, towards our children. Um, So I think it's really just, you know, working with change is hard on a lot of levels and it's amazing and it is how we grow and live deeper richer lives you Mm -hmm. know what we learn through all of this so that's what I'd say that is great and where can people find your work sure well my website is mindful birth ny and I do have a mindful cesarean website as well that has a lot of stories. It goes into VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. It has some extraordinary stories around repeat cesarean experiences and a number of resources as well, including visualizations. I have felt people preparing for vaginal births have a world of resource available to them. And I feel like people preparing for cesareans should also have resources, stories, sources of inspiration. So that's on themindfulcesarian.com with some of it also on Mindful Birth NY. Wonderful. And well, I know this podcast will be evergreen and live forever, but for now, as we talk, we have a workshop that you will be leading at Prenatal Yoga Center in February about the healing of a cesarean. So I'm just plugging that because I think it is so very important. So I'm really excited. And for those listening, you also know that we're doing this online so you can jump online and hear all the brilliance of Mary Esther. (laughs) Well, I wanted to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Deb. It's really been a pleasure and thank you for your work. Oh, thanks. Well, enjoy your day. We'll chat later. Take care. Take care. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.